Welcome to the Mill Housing Nation podcast, where we bring you stories from real military spouses who have been in your shoes. From new spouses to veteran spouses, you'll get tips, tricks, and actionable steps that can help you along your military life journey. This episode is brought to you by Caliber Home Loans. Caliber is committed to educating military families about their VA loan benefits and bringing military families home. Get connected with them online by visiting Caliber at CaliberMilitaryLending.com. Now, here's Ashley Peebles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mill Housing Nation podcast. My name is Ashley Peebles, and I'm so excited to be with you today. And I'm talking about one of my very favorite subjects. You know, I am a proponent of marriage. I am a champion for marriage. And I love talking to people about our marriage. And I love talking to people about theirs. Um, And I believe that comes from the fact that we have been through the poop. You know, I believe that anything that you're really proud of, you are going to be proud of because it's something that you work really hard for. Right. And that is exactly what my marriage is to myself and what it is to my husband. So today I just kind of wanted to share a little bit of our story. Um, We actually do marriage retreats and we work with couples all over the country. So I kind of wanted to share a little bit of our story and I wanted to share one of our top books um, as we head into this series on marriage. And that's really what we're going to be focusing on for our next four episodes because the divorce rate, I think we all know is super high in this country and it is definitely affecting military families. You know, it is, this is a hard life that we lead um, with constant separation and um, constant moving and, you know, just uh, honestly, just a whole lot of questions that lie around every corner from the time that you get started in the military to retirement. So there's just a whole lot of questions and questions and uncertainty actually lead to a whole lot more stress. We know that. So I wanted to just kind of tell you a little bit about us, how we got started and helping other couples. Um, And then I wanted to to tell you about one of the books that helped us more than anything else. So my husband, Daniel, and I have been together for 20 years now. Goodness gracious. We've been together since we were 18 years old. Totally dated myself there. Sorry about that. And um, I will tell you that we were raised very similarly. We uh, met at a Christian college and uh, we shared the same faith. We were raised by incredible people who instilled a wonderful faith in us and, and that we shared. So the reason I start with that is because I felt like because I chose someone to be my life partner that shared my faith magically. I don't it seems so innocent now, right? But magically, I just thought we were going to be able to avoid a lot of the problems that other couples face. I thought they faced these problems maybe because they weren't raised the same way, maybe because they didn't share the same faith. So I really thought that we were going to be able to bypass a lot of things that other couples run across. And the truth is, it's just a part of being married. It's just a part of life. And problems are going to come up And it is not going to be easy, but oh man, is it worth it, right? So when we uh, first got together, we were in college. My husband uh, was commissioned straight out of college. He did ROTC and we joined the military to see the world. And the military sent us from Alabama 
to Mississippi. That was a, a grand total of three hours. <laughs> so that was definitely not what we pictured. I will tell you that. So there's the one disappointment. It's like, oh, home is wherever the Air Force sends us, right? So we moved to the great city of Biloxi, Mississippi, and that is where we started having children. And I remember thinking that the the, the biggest problem that we were ever going to have in our life was the fact that it took us over a year to get pregnant with our daughter. Like I really thought once we started having kids, everything was going to be absolutely fun and blissful. We were going to be these parents that I had dreamed of my whole life and it was going to be simple. Obviously, we're going to run into a few problems, but I will tell you what what was like laying around the corner. Um, I just didn't see coming. You know, we, I, we had our daughter. So as soon after that, we got pregnant with our son and I ended up with two kids, 18 months apart and, you know, two kids under, under two, uh, two kids under three and, uh, one and two and two and three and three and four. And life was just really hectic. My husband was an exec at the time, which means he was never home. And, um, I felt like I was raising our kids, on my own. And they were itty bitty. You see, we had lost everything in Hurricane Katrina um, and we had been moved to another house. And if you uh, know anything about that time, the Zika virus was running around like crazy. So all of these things were happening. I didn't feel like I could take my kids outside uh, to play because it felt like they were going to get stung by a mosquito and then die. And then our yard, even the house that they moved us into, our yard had glass all in it from the storm. So I will tell you that I felt like I was stuck in the house all day with these two babies. All I did was feed other people and clean other people's things and wipe other people's rears. My husband missed out on all of that, it felt like. And then he would come home really late. He'd eat his dinner and then we'd go to bed. And that was our life all day, every day. And it got really monotonous. And I felt really unappreciated. And my life was really not exciting like I envisioned life as an adult would be. And just to give you my perspective, being in that house all day, every day with the kids, not having another adult to talk to, my space was my only place to like my only outlet to get out and talk to people. But I used to look out of our windows and we had this double paned glass there in Biloxi and the house that we got moved into after we lost everything, the, the outside panel was shattered. And that was my view for, to the world. Like that was my view at that time in our life was just, it was shattered. And I felt so alone and so isolated. So I would get, you know, in my head all day. Oh, when Daniel gets home, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And if he didn't walk in the door exactly like I envisioned, I was in a bad mood, right? So he would come in, he'd kick off his boots, leave them in the middle of the floor of my clean house. And that would just set me off. And I'd be so frustrated that I'm all passive aggressive and angry at him. And that was really just how life was for a really long time. And uh, we didn't like each other very much, if I'm going to be really honest with all of you that are listening. And we just became nothing more than glorified roommates, um, parenting teammates. And honestly, I felt like I was tagged in to the, the match, to the boxing match, the wrestling match. I felt like I was tagged in a whole lot more than he was. So that was just where life was. And I remember thinking, I mean, it is what it is, you know, like this is, this is what life is. It's not at all what I thought grown-up life would be. It's not at all what I thought marriage would be. I wasn't blissfully happy. And um, 
I just honestly, all I'd ever seen in my life and known was divorce, right? But because of our faith, I didn't believe that divorce was the right answer. But I really thought that being miserable for the rest of our life or just being friends, you know, being roommates, being teammates was what our life was destined for. Um, I remember just sitting in the floor in Biloxi and crying and thinking that it is what it is. Like people don't make it through this to the other side, blissfully happy. Um, they give up. And what are my choices at this point, right? So I remember we were, so Daniel and I, this may be too much information for a podcast, but Daniel and I do our best thinking in the shower and our best talking in the shower. And I remember being in the shower one day and telling him, I don't think this is sustainable. You know, something has to change because I'm not happy. You're not happy. Something has to change. I don't know what's going on, but something is, is wrong. Right. And from that day forward, it's a much longer story that we can get into another time. Maybe you guys come to one of our marriage retreats. We get into the full good, the bad, the ugly there. But from that day forward, things changed and we were in the fight together. And one of the things that changed is the very next day, we both picked up the book, The Five Love Languages, and we vowed to read it. And I will tell you that that book helped to save our marriage. Um, You know, I I heard from a preacher a long time ago that if you're talking to someone uh, about God and they don't believe in the Bible, you can't use the Bible to prove to them that God is real, right? Because they don't believe in the Bible. So it's like, why are you using that fake book to prove to me that this fake person, right? So that doesn't make sense, right? So the, the reason I bring that up is For Daniel and I, what kept us together long enough to fix it was our faith, but not everyone has that faith. And what I would love to tell people to do is to dive into the word and to study together. But I want to be real honest, at that time in our life, I didn't want to be in the same room with him, much less studying the Bible with him, right? So I want to be real honest about where we all are. If you're at a point to where it's not as bad as we were, please study together. Please pray together. Like that is where you need to seek your wisdom. But if you're not a believer and that is not somewhere you're going to go right off the bat, maybe our story can help. And maybe this other book can help. We picked up the five love languages and I will tell you, it made such a difference. And here's why, because we had been speaking our own love language and the other person couldn't hear it. Let me give you an example. I would stay in the house all day feeding cleaning, doing all of those things. Um, And I made sure that there was always food on the table and the house was clean. And when Daniel came home, he'd kick his boots off and he'd leave them right in the middle of the floor. And I told you it would set me off. Like it would make me so angry because I had spent all day cleaning that house just for him to leave his boots in the middle of the floor. Well, to me, I mean, obviously I wouldn't have said these exact words, but it made me feel unloved. But what I did say was it made me feel unappreciated and I just couldn't vocalize it other than the fact that I was so mad at him. Okay. On the other side of things, all Daniel really wanted was for me to tell him that he's good looking and that he's awesome and that I appreciated him. But if he comes in and he kicks his boots off in the middle of the floor, do you think I'm really going to be telling him that he's awesome and that I appreciate him and all of his hard work that he's, you know, putting in every day for our family so that I can stay at home with our kids? 
No, that, that wasn't happening. So by reading the book, we were able to see that my love language at that time, it's not anymore, so that's a fun story, but my love language at that time was acts of service because I was serving my family all day, every day, and that was how I was showing my love. And Daniel's uh, love language still is today, words of affirmation. So what we realized is Daniel just wants me to tell him that he's good looking and that he's awesome. And thank you so much for everything that he does. He just wants me to appreciate him verbally. And for me at that time, I just wanted him to not put his boots in the middle of the floor and disrespect in my mind and not appreciate what I had done all day to show him that I love him. So it, it became honestly right in the beginning. Those were the beginning steps of us getting better was him not putting his boots in the middle of the floor, him closing the frapping drawers. I don't know if anybody else has a husband that doesn't close the drawers all the way. Oh my goodness. used to drive me crazy. I'd go around slamming those things shut all the time. And that was the beginning of me seeing that he really does love and appreciate me. He's put his boots where the shoes go. He would close the drawers all the way. He wouldn't leave his wet towel on the bed, all of those little things. And when he did that, man, I just sang his praises. I'd get up and say, honey, thank you so much for hanging up that towel. You have no idea how much that means to me. And immediately he was like, I had no idea that that meant so much to you. Of course, I'll hang up my towel. That's so easy. At the end of the day, I would say, honey, you have no idea. What that means, you just put in your boots where the shoes go. I've cleaned the house all day and it just feels like you truly noticed and you appreciate it. Thank you so much. He's like, of course I can put my boots over here. That's easy. It was an upward cycle all of a sudden that we had never been in and we had been in a really great downward spiral, right? And all of a sudden we had an upward trajectory that we didn't have before. That book helped so much. It's now the book that we give to every newly married couple. It's it's what we give anyone when they are be, you know, when they're getting engaged. And the truth is, I view the wisdom in the Bible and I view the wisdom in the books that we're going to share with you over the next 4 weeks as vitamins. You know, every if you want to live your healthiest life, you're going to take your vitamins, right? Well, marriage is exactly the same thing. You need marriage vitamins. You can't just go through marriage and never seek wisdom and expect to have the healthiest relationship. But what I don't want you to do is I don't want your marriage to get to the point where it needs medicine. If it's at the point where it needs medicine, take the medicine, seek out someone that can help do whatever you need to do to have a healthy relationship, to have a healthy, thriving relationship. But before you get there, agree between the two of you that you're going to take your vitamins. You're going to read the books. You're going to try to get in that upward spiral. You're going to seek wisdom. And one of the greatest things that you can do for your marriage is to surround yourself with other strong marriages. There is nothing worse than working on your marriage and being surrounded by people who do not love and respect their spouses that are going through the same thing and they are giving up. It makes it seem almost normal to give up. But there's nothing like struggling in your marriage and then all of a sudden surrounding yourself with people that value marriage, that people that value their spouse, that honor and lift them up. It makes all the difference because then you start doing the same things. Find couples in your life that are your age, that have a great marriage. Of course, they struggle, but they're trying. They're working on it. 
Find couples in your life. Everybody needs one, at least one lighthouse couple in their life. And what do I mean by that? It's somebody that's been married for a really long time, a lot longer than you. And they honor and respect their spouses with their words and with their actions. And you can look to them. They're that light on the hill for your marriage that shows you that it's worth it. And that shows you really what it takes to have those strong marriages. But it also shows you on the other side, like when I talk about being worth it, it shows you what the work that you put in today, how it's going to pay off in those later years. Because I'm telling you, it is beautiful to see a couple that's been married 30, 40, 50 years, that the husband's still popping the, the wife on the rear end and the wife is still getting all dressed up and you know, primping her hair and she's still making goo-goo eyes at her husband. There's nothing more beautiful than that to me. I just think it is incredible. So when we're talking about the vitamins, the five love languages, my love language at that time was acts of service. It has moved to quality time. And I think it moved to quality time because then I showed everyone that I love them because my job and all I really could do, I had plenty of time with my kids. <laughs> they were with me all the time. As a matter of fact, I never even could go to the bathroom without them, right? Well, then once my kids got older and they went off to school and I started working, I could not do the same things that I did for them anymore like I did before. So it quickly turned to quality time. I didn't have as much time with him. I didn't have as much time with my husband. So it moved to quality time. My husband's love language to still today is words of affirmation, quickly followed by physical touch. And a lot of men in your life are going to say that they are physical touch. You know, I, I just want to get this out there. A sexual touch is totally different than a physical touch love language. All men want the, the previous, right? Of, of course, all women want the previous. And I have actually heard it stated and find it true that the older we get, the more like we want the, the previous as women. But I will tell you that when I read the book, I confused physical touch with that. And I thought, man, I've got somebody on me all day. I've, I'm literally nursing a child. I've got another child on my hip. The last thing I want is to be touched, right? But the truth is there's a difference in the, the, the relationship, the sexual relationship between a husband and wife and then a physical touch love language. So if you take your, you take the test and your husband takes the test and he does or she does end up having a physical touch um, love language, I want you to dive into the differences between that because it's as simple as just, you know, your feet touching when you're watching TV, it's as simple as putting your hand on their, their shoulder while they're driving down the road. There's some really simple things that you can do, even if you are a young mom and you have kids on you all day, every day, the last thing you want is to be touched. But understand that if that is their love language, you're going to have to find a way to do that. And I've got a great story about physical touch because my son, my youngest child um, is a, a boy and his love language is physical touch. And I will tell you that as a, a kid, always growing up, he's always wanted to be like right on top of us. Like he sits so close to you in a booth that it's like he is trying to crawl inside of you. When you are playing a game, he's right next to you. When you are walking down the street on a hot summer day, he is right up next to you. And honestly, I am someone that really likes my physical space. I don't want people's feet touching me in the middle of the people, my husband. I don't want his feet touching me in the middle of the night. I really don't want anyone sitting too close to me. It's just not my comfort. 
So I used to always tell him as a little kid, I'd be like, bud, scoot over, give me a little room. We'd be sitting in a booth going out to eat. And it's like, I can't even reach my food because he's right underneath my arm. Well, I had my kids take the love language test and sure as the world, my son's love language was physical touch. And it broke my heart because I realized that all of these years I've been rejecting his love. He's showing me that he loves me by being close to me. And if I reject that love, it's like saying, I don't love you as much as you love me. And it broke my heart. I will tell you from that day forward, I've allowed this child to sit underneath me, practically on top of me on the couch, uh, sitting like on my leg to walk down the, the road on a really hot summer day and just let him lean on my shoulder, like be right on my hip. So I will tell you that that is something that a lot of parents, if you kind of think back about it, you may have a child that has the physical touch love language. And it's something that is very easy. It is an easy love language to show that you care. I will tell you in the mornings when I wake him up, if I yell from his door, hey, Colin, it's time to wake up versus go over and put my hand on his back and say, hey, bud, it's time to wake up. I have a totally different kid. If I just touch his back to wake him up versus yelling from even, even if it's nice yelling (laughs) from the door. So make sure that you dive in and you find the different ways that you can love the people in your life. The fifth love language is gifts. It is the most, it is the least common of the love languages um, amongst people. But I will tell you, it's one that is very real and it's not always about spending money and buying things. Um, I find that gifts are a really, really easy, easy way to love the people in your life. If that happens to be on the top of their list, it's a very easy way to love them. But I think it's the easiest to overlook because we think that it's all about buying things. So I would like to challenge everyone today to please get the five love languages. They even have a five love languages for the military family and for a military spouse. So it is a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, But I want to leave you with my parting thoughts before we move into next week. And just by saying that there's nothing in life that I am proud of that, that, that it wasn't hard to achieve, right? Anything that's worth it, is going to be difficult. Think about it. Parenting, worth it. Super difficult. Getting a degree, worth it. Super difficult. Um, School in general, worth it. Super difficult. All of the things that are difficult in life when you make it to the other side, it's so, so worth it. But there are very few things in life that are worth it that are easy. So understand that if you're finding things in your life and you're running up on some difficulty, It's probably just one of those times that you finally found something that's worth it. And I want to challenge you not to give up, to stay in the fight. You know, one of my favorite stories to, to, we're big history, but one of my favorite stories to tell people when we're talking about staying in the fight is our country, if you think about it, was born from rebellion, was born like our forefathers, our founding fathers were rebels at heart. It is incredible to know that this country came from fighters, right? And then somewhere over time, I think a lot of us just lost our fight for a lot of things, lost our fight for a better life, lost our fight for our marriages, lost our fight for things that that we used to fight for. 
So I just want to challenge you to channel our forefathers, right? Channel the the reason, one of the, like your birthright as an American, channel the rebellion and go against the status quo. Divorce, yes, it is common in this country, but it does not have to be you and it doesn't have to be the norm. You know, put your gloves back on, lace them up and get back in the fight because it is worth it. Daniel and I made a a decision early on that we were going to fight it out about any topic until we had a resolution. And once we fight about something, we don't fight about it again. So sometimes our arguments last days, right? Like we'll go to bed, we'll sleep on it. We'll wake up the next day and we will not continue to like fist fight or anything like that. But we'll continue the discussion because we want a resolution, And I don't want to fight about the same thing over and over again. So that'll be my second challenge to you is just to agree together that if there's something that you've been fighting about consistently, I want you to hash it out no matter how long it takes until you have a resolution and then agree that you are not going to fight about that anymore. When you come to a resolution, there's no reason to bring that back up and there's no reason to fight about it again because you have a resolution, right? So pick up the five love languages, lace up your gloves, get back in the fight and just agree with each other that you guys are not going to give up and that you're going to find a resolution for the things that are coming up in your life more often than others because your marriage is something that is worth it. Is it going to be difficult? Yes, but it's so, so worth it. The tried and true tested marriages, the ones that are rock solid, the blissful marriages that you come across, they did not get there by accident and they didn't get there by an easier journey than you have. They have gone through the poop and they've made it to the other side. So I appreciate you all tuning in today for our vitamin number one for our marriage vitamin number one next week I am going to have my sweet husband with me and we are going to kind of tag team this and give you some of the tips and some of the tricks um, another book that is great for us some of the things that we talk about at our marriage retreats Um, if you have more information about our or if you want more information about our marriage retreat I'll make sure that we've got the link um, that you can get in touch with us and all of that because we would love nothing more than to meet some of you face to face and uh, be able to really grow alongside you and learn alongside you as well. So y'all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. If you're listening to this, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss the rest of the vitamins and you don't miss the rest of our tips for smooth PCSs and you don't miss the rest of our tips for life. So y'all have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Millhousing Nation podcast. To connect with Millhousing Network, visit us online at milhousingnetwork.com. 